I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Glad to have you with us in this hour. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. Thelonious Monk and his quartet sounds so delicious. Um, why not this particular track? Since it was on the soundtrack for uh, a movie called Devil in a Blue Dress. Uh, which is a great uh, entree to our guest in this hour, critically acclaimed novelist, screenwriter, playwright, and uh, good brother, Walter Mosley, who joins us for a career conversation. His new book, Every Man a King, a King Oliver novel, publishes today, in fact. Walter Mosley's rich storylines have a way of deepening our understanding and appreciation of black life in America, and I look forward to what is going to be uh, a deep dialogue in this hour with our friend and brother, Walter Mosley. Walter, it's been far too long, my friend. How are you, sir? It has been, Tappas. How you doing, man? You doing good? I, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate, man. I know you're doing well because you're still writing and still making us think, so uh, that's a good thing. But you, you've been well otherwise? Life is good. Okay. Um, your, your phone cut out on me, but I think I, think I got you there now. Um, so thank you. Oh, you're not, sorry I, about that. No, you're there. You're there. You're there. Now we got you now. Uh, techn- technology, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Um, so anyway, thank you for this hour. So much to talk to you about. I've been looking forward to this. And um, let me start by saying congrats on the publication today of Every Man a King, uh, a king out of a novel. I've, uh, I've written a few books, uh, and uh, most of us don't have the acclaim that Walter Mosley has, but I know what it's like to push one of these things out, and you've done it so so many times. Let me just start broad, and we'll, we'll, narrow, we'll narrow as we move through this hour. Um, after all these years, what's, what's publication like for you? Let me just get inside Walter Mosley's head and heart. Uh, when you've done, again, this so many times, what's, what's pub day like for you when something else you have written is now being exposed to the public? Well, you know, I, I, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy that I'm, I'm writing and that I'm, and that, and that, that books are coming out. Uh, you know, I've been so busy working in Hollywood mm-hmm. that, that I believe that, you know, I, I don't have much time to think about it. But what I love the most is writing. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm really, it, it doesn't change. As soon as this, the writers, and we, we finished, uh, the, we're work, working the room snowfall. I've been doing that for the last six years. Sure. And it's finished. And I said, wow, it's great. Now I can get back to writing. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> so snowfall, as you all know, because we all watch it, the, the very popular hit FX show uh, premieres on Wednesday, February 22nd. Let me just get that in there now. It premieres on Wednesday, the 22nd. That would be tomorrow. Uh, Walter is a writer and, of course, exec producer on the show. So since you went there, let me just, we'll, we'll, we'll start with that and we'll, we'll work our way forward. Um, what have you learned uh, over these uh, almost last decade? You, of course, of course, Devil in a Blue Dress, you've been, you've dabbled in Hollywood for a long time, but you got really deep into it as exec producer of a series. What, what, I don't want to color this too much what are your takeaways what what do you what are your sharings about the hollywood lifestyle walter mosley hit me one more time with that I, I was uh i was trying to i was hearing the feedback on your line so i was wearing those earphones i took them off and so yeah now, I, I missed 
part of that question. No, 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 no problem. I was saying that um, you know you've obviously uh, dabbled in Hollywood, and your work has been featured on the big screen, the small screen. But with Snowfall, you got directly, you just immersed yourself in Hollywood uh, as writer on the show, as exec producer of the show. It's been a hit series. We've all watched it, of course. Um, shout out to the late great John Singleton. Um, but what are your what are your what are your uh, reflections, your your takeaways, if you will? on what it's like when you uh, immerse yourself in Hollywood. We know you as a writer, but I'm, I'm just asking for some Hollywood tales, Walter Mosley. Well, you know, the, the most interesting thing about uh, working on Snowfall is John, mm -hmm. John Singleton himself. He called me seven years ago, and he said, Hey, Walter, I, I need you. I'm doing this uh, show. It's going to be about uh, crack in the hood in the 80s. You know, I need you in the room. And I said, but John, I don't know how to write television. And he said, that's okay, brother. Just come in and back me up. That's all I need. Mm. And I was <laughs> like, okay. You know, in a couple of years I did that. And then slowly, you know, I started writing and, you know, and, you know, my voice is loud in the room. And so, you know, it was, a uh, it was a great thing. And now I, you know, now I can do stuff. I, I did that uh, thing that I really loved with, uh, you know, Sam Jackson, the last days of telling me gray. Mm -hmm. And that was really good over an apple. And now I'm trying to do, a f now I'm trying to do a few other things, but I don't really want to work for anybody anymore. I don't want to be in a room. So I'm just trying to do my own stuff, which is more fun and, and a little bit more profitable too. Yeah. Um, what, what, do you, what, what's your takeaway, um, uh, regarding this notion of, storylines regarding our people. And I'm, I'm, I'm deliberately and unapologetically asking this broad to give you as much canvas as you need, Walter, to paint. Uh, but what's, 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 what, uh, what's your read on the journey that we have to endure to get uh, our storylines told uh, in Hollywood? Well, you know, it's really difficult. I mean, I was trying to do the last days of, of Ptolemy Gray. Mm-hmm with Sam Jackson as, as my, you know, co-producer, uh, for 10 years, I mean, it took 10 years to get that show. And I think we could have gotten some other more, uh, shallow, but glitzy shows done. Mm. Uh, I won't name any names with that, but you know, it's like, but, and, and, you know, cause that's television, television, it doesn't want too much thinking. It wants to say, well, you know, just give me some action, give me some violence, give me a couple of dead bodies, get a little bit of sex, and then, you know, we got it, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and, and that's fine, but it's, that's, and that's part of, you know, everybody's experience in life, but I think to, 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 to any kind of show, whether you're black or not, if you, you want to do a show that, that is actually saying something, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be harder, yeah. and, um, you know, but luckily, um, you know, we, we have people, you know, like, like Sam and Denzel and Don Cheadle and all these other people who, you know, want to be part of something like that, you know? Yeah. When you said a moment ago that television doesn't want too much thinking uh, because uh, you and I have known each other for, for decades now and I know your work uh, uh, quite well uh, and I know what sort of animates and motivates you. When you said TV doesn't uh, want too much thinking, my mind went to our democracy. That's kind of a. That's kind of. I, I don't need. Well, to, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, take, take take it. I ain't got to ask you no question. Take it away. Go, Walter. Go, go. Well, but I know it, it is the same thing. It, it, to really understand, you know, I, I'm looking at, at at the the economics of America today. You mm -hmm. know, uh, the you know baby boomers, ten thousand a day retiring. Ninety uh, percent of them don't have enough money to, to retire, mm -hmm. uh, and. And you know, you look at all of these, you know, this new thing. These like <laughs> these white people 
who have no money, mm-hmm. who have to, you know, who have, so many of whom are becoming homeless. And, you know, a lot of them, those people, I think, uh, get a little kind of seduced by people like Trump and saying, well, yeah, well, look at it. We used to be on top. And say, yes, you used to be on top. But the same thing that bought our bodies is now, uh, it, you know, getting rid of yours, and that's capitalism. Mm. Capitalism says, I don't have to give anybody any extra money. I, everybody has to, you know, bow to me. And, you know, so rather than say, seeing the more complex answer is we have to work together, you, you have the simpler answer, I'll just hate you for mm. who you are and what you are. Mm. You know, and you know, it's, it's a... You know, I'm, I'm looking at the world saying, man, your trouble, I know your trouble. I've, I've been living through your trouble for 400 years. Um, let, let's get together. We can make something happen. Mm. As I promised you, it's going to be a delicious dialogue, uh, and I'm glad I've got him for the hour. Uh, Walter Mosley has a new book out today. We'll get to that in this conversation. It's called Every Man a King, a King Out of a Novel. Uh, again, it publishes today. Uh, but his, uh, his, 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 his scope, his reach is so broad. Uh, that whenever you get uh, Walter for an hour, which ain't easy to do, if you can track him down for an hour, uh, I can assure you the conversation has all kind of tentacles. And I look forward to what is going to be a rich conversation for the rest of this hour with Walter Mosley on KBLA Talk 1580. Walter Mosley, before I go forward, let me go back because you've been doing this for so long and doing it for so well uh, for so long. Um, for those who don't know the backstory, how did writing become your your vocation, your calling? How did it become your muse? Well, you know, I, it was, it's funny, I, I, I never, I always wanted to be doing something in art, and I didn't know what it was. You know, I tried pottery, I tried uh, painting, <laughs> uh, and, and the whole time I was working as a computer programmer. And then in my mid-30s, I was working for Mobile Oil in, in uh, you know, Midtown, New York, and I was working on a weekend, so I was the only person there. And, and instead of writing, you know, code, I started writing these sentences, you know, on hot, sticky days in southern Louisiana, the fire ant swarm. And I wrote that down. I said, hey, that, that sounds, I've read books that started like that. Maybe I could do that, you know. And I just, I just started doing it, you know. And, 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 of course, I mean, I wasn't really thinking so much I was going to make money at it. I just was thinking, wow, this will be, I, I, maybe I could write a story. Mm. And from there... Here, yeah. So, so you started writing stories, but um, we know you now, all these years later, as one of the most versatile and admired writers in the nation. Uh, The author now of more than sixty critically acclaimed books. Yes, I said sixty six zero that cover a wide range of ideas, genres, and forms, including fiction, of course, literary, mystery, science fiction, political monographs, writing guides, um, uh, memoir and paintings, um, a young adult novel uh, called Forty Seven. Your work now translated into what over twenty five languages, and and I, I, I share all that to give people just again some sense of the scope the breadth and depth of what you've been able to accomplish over the course of your career. But I, what, what I really want to hone in on is why, when you started writing at that desk at mobile on the weekends, writing stories, why over the course of your career it's been so important to you to write in so many different genres? Well, I love writing, you know, I, and, and it's funny because, you know, when specialization is, you know, is a subcategory of capitalism. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's how you produce. You get on the you, you get on the production line and and you put you know the the little widget into the box. That's what you do. They you don't do the whole thing. You don't build a whole car. You know, <laughs> <laughs> one thing at a time. That's how you produce, and that's great. You know, for mass production. 
But, you know, for art, you know, writing is, you know, every different level of writing is a different story you can tell or a different kind of story you can tell. So sometimes, you know, I, I, I need to tell a mystery. Sometimes I need to talk to children. Sometimes I need to talk about things that are beyond, you know, uh, comprehension, you know, like, you know, uh, Chip Delaney or Octavia Butler. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you, you're going to do uh, whatever you can, you know, to, 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 to communicate you know, to, to express yourself. Yeah. And so I, I, I just move when, you know, with whatever I'm writing, I grab onto the genre. I think that's going to work for me there. Yep. I, I mentioned earlier your political monographs and uh, in this conversation by my count now on three different occasions, you've mentioned the word capitalism. I want to go straight there since it's obviously on your mind. <laughs> it's on your mind today, obviously. Um, go ahead and, and take the microphone and offer me in this moment in late modernity in this uh, place called America, your critique of capitalism. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think that capitalism in many ways is inescapable. Uh, you know, people have to make profit. People have to be able to trade between each other beyond, you know, beyond, you know, across the street. Uh, they they have, you know, it's a necessary thing. But the, the problem is, is that when all the power is garner, garnered by the few, all the wealth is owned by the few, uh, that makes the, the everybody else more and more poor all the time. You become, you just, you, you lose wealth in that, in that, in that, that takes away your political clout, that plays, takes away your political rights. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, I, I mention it because so many people in, in America and in the world suffer, mm-hmm. uh, because some, such a few people are taking all the profit. When you have, one person at one end of the thing has a hundred billion dollars. That means there are millions of people who have nothing and they have to live on credit of one sort or another. And so, you know, I, I, you know, I'm aware of that. So it it comes up when I talk about it. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the world, you and I've had uh, the opportunity to travel together in some parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And I can't recall whether we were last together in Haiti or Venezuela, but I know we obviously we've done some traveling together over the years. And um, I, I'm curious as to your critique of how you see us situate, if you will, right now, uh, America, our role, our responsibility, however you want to frame it in the world. President Biden, as we speak, is in Poland. He was in Ukraine yesterday, dropping another five hundred million dollars on the Ukrainian people uh, to aid and abet them. Uh, I don't mean to color the question too much, but again, since you uh, <laughs> since you mentioned the world, uh, give me your sense of how you would situate where we are right now uh, on the world stage. Well, you know, America. You know, America is any country that that that's on top or near the top of, of the heap. You know they're going to have trouble because you know whenever you're on top, you're the other people are getting oppressed, and so you, you have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I also I I think that you know it's interesting. America does a lot of things wrong. I mean we we have done for you know ever since the you know whoever came here to start America <laughs> did that. But 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 it but at the same time I, I'm 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 optimistic because. We're one of the the few countries who's made up fundamentally of all kinds of different peoples, religions, languages, points of view, and it, it, it what it does is that it allows us to not end up 
with the kind of issues that you have, you know, the newer uh, capitalist countries, Russia and China, mm-hmm. uh, we, don't, we have less of a, it's harder uh, for us to oppress people. And so, you know, even though I think it's, things are going really tough in this country, I believe that we have the ability, which is why I, I'm ta- I was talking to you about, you know, how much we have in common with people who think that they're, you know, uh, antithetical to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it's possible in America to understand that, where it's much more difficult than a country that identifies itself with the, with so-called races. Yeah, I would I would I would term it the fragility of our democracy. That's my take. But um, but you're the you're the guest in this hour. What I'm what I'm pointing to is how you would uh, how you would assess the state of our democracy, the state of our republic. Well, you know, I mean, and again, that's a very, very difficult question. When you say fragility, I understand what you mean, because, you know, uh, a lot of people would, say, would rather not have any democracy if, if, if uh, them and theirs could be on top. Mm-hmm. I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, but, but at the same time, <laughs> what happens in America is that uh, when you cause, listen, 20 years ago, we, we were sitting there, you know, 30 percent of the population voted. Nobody cared. They, yeah. they didn't vote. They said, I'm not voting. You know, now everybody votes. Everybody feels that, the, you know, they're, they're a part of it. Now, a lot of uh, really wrongheaded people have gotten into power because of that. But I, I also, I feel, you know, listen, uh, I'm just optimistic. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the harder we work, the better we might become. I, that, I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and... <laughs> And, you know, it's like I, I know we're coming out of a place that's, you know, that, that black people, black people in America coming out of places been so hard for us. People have been on us, you know, so bad. I mean, that's the hard part. The, yeah. the great part is how, how we've survived and how we've, we've become more and more powerful and better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I, I just so, uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful, though. I, I mean, I, listen, I can go in the place, you know, that you're you're you know indicating mm-hmm. and say, listen, this is really hard. Things could fall apart any minute. I know that. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it helps to be to be positive. Yeah. Uh, but. I want, I want, I, on, I, as, we, as we go on, I'm sure we'll get more into that. No, we will. Let me, let me, we're going to get more into it right now. How about that? <laughs> we go, we ain't going to wait. Okay. We're going to get into it right now. You, you, you use you use three words in in, in like in that last uh, response, and I heard all three of them. And because I know you, and I know that the more I press you in our conversations, the better you get, uh, and the more the more dynamic the conversation gets. I, I want to press you on this. So, in your last uh, statement, you used the word optimism. You use the word hope, mm-hmm. and you use the word positive. As you well know, being the brilliant writer that you are, optimism and hope ain't the same thing. Optimism suggests there's something you can see, feel, or touch that gives you reason to believe that things are going to get better. That ain't never been the black experience in America. Hope, if I can quote the Bible, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you can't even see right now. And then you use the word positive. So now I'm trying to figure out, are you optimistic, are you hopeful, or are you positive? Because you used all three words. You, you think I can't be all three? I'm just asking. I'm just asking, man. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, listen, when yeah. you talk about fragility, yeah. it, it, all of uh, your definition of all those words, uh, you know, underscores that fragility. And I'm not going to argue with that. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that it's true that, uh, that uh, do I know that things are going to get better? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that, but I but I understand that we we black people in America understand the problems of America better than anybody else. Yes, because we have been the butt of those problems mm-hmm. the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- but then when I look like at people like you, like like myself, like you know all all of our our friends out there in the world, mm-hmm. we're doing a lot to make a, a better world, and. We're, you know, we're not only doing it for ourselves, we're helping other people, we're trying to bring people along. These, these are all things when you say, you know, to be, you know, optimistic means to say, well, I know I can help, and I just have to try, and I hope other people do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's hope. I do hope other people do, which is why I'm part of a dialogue, which is, you know, which is why I write books. Yeah. You said there, there are better worlds that we can create right there, right now, today. We yeah. can do that. Yeah. And, um... It, and, you know, it, it, if I get too pessimistic about it, and, and I notice this in people, when people get pessimistic, they're, they're, they, their lives don't have a positive, you know, place that they're going. But also, you know, their children and their friends, their loved ones, yeah. they also take a lot away from them. Mm. I got less than two minutes here before. Uh, I love that. Got less than two minutes before news, traffic, and sports. Let me get this question out, and then we'll continue on the other side. Um, I love okay. your frame um, that, and you're right, that we understand this country better than most. We've endured uh, more than most. Let me put it this way and ask it as a question. Um, we are a blues people, and obviously you know that better than most because you've written about that, right? Uh, the question is, uh, what can, in this moment, you think a blues nation, a nation that has the blues, learn from its blues people? And we're going to do that after the the news, right? Um, okay, we'll hold it. We'll hold it. I, I, I see you got a lot more to say than I, I can get out in forty seconds, or you can get out in forty seconds. So that's the question: What can, in this moment, a blues nation learn from a blues people? After news, traffic, and sports, we will hear the answer to that question uh, from Walter Mosley, a brilliant writer who has a new book out today. In fact, it's called "Every Man a King," a king out of a novel. We ain't got to that yet. I'm glad we've got the whole hour. So, on the other side of uh, news, traffic, and sports, we we'll get to this question about uh, uh, what we can, what the nation can learn from us uh, in Black History Month and beyond. We'll talk about the book. We'll talk about a great deal more. In this hour, so delighted to be in dialogue with Walter Mosley, and you're listening to him right now, exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. We are indeed, and we're glad to have you with us in this hour, and we are even more thrilled to have as our guest in this hour, our friend and brother, Walter Mosley, one of the most versatile, admired, respected, uh, revered writers uh, in this country of any race, color, or creed, but we are delighted that he happens to be one of us as we celebrate uh, his uh, life and legacy uh, in Black History Month. He has a new book, in fact, out today, publishes today. It's called Every Man a King, a king out of a novel. We'll get to that uh, new book in just a moment here. But I was asking uh, uh, Walter before news, traffic, and sports um, this uh, question, given what he had said uh, prior to, uh, about the ways in which we understand this country. Um, We have endured more. We have navigated more. And so we have a perspective on America that nobody else ever has or ever will have. And I was asking Walter then what a blues nation, a nation that has the blues, can learn from a blues people. And Walter was about to tell me. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. You know, it's interesting, you know, when you, when you take blues nation versus blues people, I think that, that the nation, the, 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 the deep 
sadness and 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 worry and and fear that that faces you know uh, all the various generations of, of our, our nation. It, that's really hard and it's ugly and it's it's not great. But when I was thinking when when you asked the question about uh, the the one of America, one of the greatest boxers ever lived, Archie Moore. Mm-hmm. Archie Moore fought a guy named Yvonne Durrell once. He, he, Archie was the, the champion of the world. He's like forty three at the time, I think, and he was he was knocked down so viciously that nobody expected him to get up. And he was knocked down three more times by this guy, and, so, and nobody uh, nobody thought he, could, he was going to make it. They knew Durrell was going to win the fight, but. When Archie was asked years and years later, he was in his 70s, they said, well, what did you feel? He says, oh, that was a great moment. I was hard-pressed, hard-pressed. But, you know, I used my left hand, uh, which was very educated at the time. And now, I I listened to him talk about that. (laughs) The blues is getting knocked down, right? Mm. No no question. But another part of it is getting up again. And, 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 Feeling that success. I mean, the, the blues in, in 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 among black people in America is a is a deep celebration of all of the struggles that we have. There's a celebration inside of it. And I, I think most people don't don't well. They haven't gotten that in the past. I think as time has gone by, as music has has reached out to everybody, uh, that a lot of people are beginning to understand it. I'm just I, you know again, I'm just hopeful you know that. That somebody somebody else could say, "Oh, your blues is different than my blues. My blues, you know, it's something I want to get away from. Mm-hmm. But your blues is something you celebrate. Mm. You know, oh yeah, man. But this is, you know, I, I got it so hard. You know, that you know, my my best girl left me. You know, but at least I had a best girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, there's that feeling you have. You know, you're listening to James Brown. You're yeah. listening to Robert Johnson. You know, yeah. It's a, uh, it's 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 a, the blues is a beautiful concept uh especially as it's held by black people i i just i i and you know that yeah. you listen to bb king you know mm-hmm. i mean he you know because to, to experience the blues is to accept them and mm-hmm. you know I, I accept it i said shit this stuff is hard man uh but uh i'm ecstatic that that i can i can dance to it yeah. No. It's all about perspective. I hear you saying it's about perspective. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of perspective, uh, let me tweak that word a bit. Um, you shared earlier in this <laughs> in this conversation, and um, I know the audience was delighted to, to hear it for those, again, who've been reading your stuff for years, but really didn't know how you began because you've been doing it so well for so long. When you were when you were at mobile uh, in, in Manhattan uh, and started writing um, on the weekends, did you ever have an understanding then? Was it your, how can I put this? Was it your intention then um, to do what you have done? That is to say, when I introduced you at the top of this conversation, I introduced, I introduced you, as you recall, by saying that your your storylines, your very rich storylines, have a way of deepening, these are my words here, a way of deepening our understanding and appreciation of black life in America. That's how I regard your work, and I think that's how many others regard your work. When they read Walter Mosley, whatever form you're writing in, we discussed earlier all the genres you write in, but when you read Walter Mosley, there's a good chance that you're going to have a deepening of your understanding and appreciation of black life in America. Put another way, Walter was Walter's writing will challenge you 
to re-examine the assumptions you hold. As I like to say, Walter's writings will help you expand your from a different perspective. Um, that's what Walter's writings will do for you. Was that your intent when you started writing at Mobile back in the day, or it just turned out to be that way? Walter, did I lose you? Walter, Walter, Walter. I started writing because I like that sentence. Mm-hmm. But, and it came after I wrote that I was writing about, you know, uh, more, most specifically black male heroes that, you know, I felt, you know, had kind of, kind of gotten short shrift in, uh, in, in fiction. Though I didn't know I was doing that until I got into my third book. Uh, I just I was just writing, you know, and talking about people I knew and the lives they lived, and and then I realized, oh yeah, these guys these guys are heroes. There are women too who are heroes. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. but uh, the the new thing was the black male hero inside inside the books, uh, and so the the intention was there, but I think the intention was unconscious. Right. Yeah. And 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 speaking of unconscious, was this part unconscious or not? And that is. Um, this notion of the black male hero, which you just raised a moment ago, was that intentional? Uh, no, it wasn't. I was, it was, unco- I, I was, you know, it, it was an unconscious, a natural unconscious place that I went to. Mm-hmm. I said, Oh, this is the place I'm going to go. Cause I'm going to write about these, these men, you know, there are all these beautiful black men, you know, who, who, who are there for their children, who are there for their community, who, uh, you know, uh, had all kinds of issues and problems and things that they had to get around because of, you know, our history yeah. and, and, and did it and not only did it, but helped me with it. You yeah. know, whenever you sit down with a group of people and hey, listen, it's true about anybody who's rural. Yeah. You sit around and, and, you, and you all you share. It, it's a natural thing. We share. And and uh, I, I was I just I was writing about them and it took me a while to realize that I was writing about them. Mm. You 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 were doing this uh, decades ago, as um, as your uh, fans know. Uh, but ironically and interestingly, I was in a conversation in the last hour of this program with a white woman, a white professor, uh, and she offered an example of Black Panther. And so she's talking to me, this white woman, and she offers this uh, example of a black male hero in a movie like Black Panther. So when you got white women making references to Black Panther, I think we perhaps we've made some progress in black male heroes. But you tell me, you were doing it a long time ago, Walter. Well, you know, I mean, I think that that when, when you look, at, I mean, really, yes, the black. I was I was talking because you know uh, Tanahasi Coates. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was doing the the Black Panther you know comic book uh, for a while. And you know, and 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 I and I was when I, I was writing about him one day, and I said, "Well, it came so easy to him because his father's the original Black Panther, because mm-hmm. Paul Coates you know, was, the, was the, the the head of the Panthers in Baltimore." That's right. I mean, there's a there's a there's you know, so you wonder which Black you know, because Tanahasi understands what I'm talking about. I'm not sure that the woman who you were talking to understands it, but but the thing is, is that yeah, and and another original uh, uh, Black Panther. Uh, Paul Coates's godson, uh, Tupac Shakur, mm-hmm. is one of those incredible uh, heroic figures that uh, took the, the the imagination of all the of young America and yeah. much of the rest of the world and said, "Hey, look at me here. You see what I'm doing?" Yeah. And they go, "Yeah, man." You know, and I think that th- it's 
it's like that, you know, uh, it, 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 when you, you really begin to understand someone's pain, you yeah. know, I like, I like the Black Panther. I mean, he's a king, you know, and, you know, king means that people didn't vote for him. But, you know, <laughs> that's problematic, <laughs> you know, but, yeah, but I, I understand wanting heroes and understanding them. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, finally, uh, uh, black America, ha- you know, has stepped out of shadow and says, oh, yeah, we we are American culture. Yeah. Um, you know? And I thought about that way, but that's why they didn't vote for him. Um, let me let me ask you right quick here, and I, and I want to move forward. Since you mentioned Paul Coates, uh, most people today know best-selling writer, uh, author Ta-Nehisi Coates, who, uh, who uh, Walter just invoked. You may not know his father, Paul Coates. Paul Coates is a legend, uh, and I've known him for years. Walter's known him for years. I want to ask right quick, both you and I, at various points in our careers, felt a particular, my phrase, you tell me if I'm wrong or not, disabuse me if I'm wrong, but at both points in our careers, at different points, rather, in our respective careers, we both felt the need to give a text to a black publisher. I did it to Hakeem yeah. Adabuti at Third World Press mm-hmm. with the Covenant with Black America, which became a, a New York Times bestseller for 14 weeks, I think, something like that. Uh, you did it with Paul Coates, ta father. Tell me right quick why at that point in your career it was important for you, established author that you was, uh, were at that time, best-selling author, to take a moment to give a project to a black publisher. Well, you know, it's so, it's so interesting. I was at a I was at a, at, a, at an event, uh, and I was listening to a guy talking and saying, "Well, listen, you know, all you writers out there, if you got a book, and uh, you know, and you're doing well, that's great. Just keep on publishing. But if you if 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 you're if you're if you're doing well right now, take one of those books and give it to a black publisher because a black publisher, uh, you know, could could use the help. Mm-hmm. He said, Don't wait until you know, because a lot of people come to Haki." Uh, after their career has kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, flattened. Sure. And, and they said, well, you publish my book? And he always will, but it, it's not helping them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, but if you give somebody a book where they're actually going to be on the bestsellers, they're going to make some money, uh, <laughs> and other people are going to become aware of it, yeah. that's, that's what you do. And, you know, that's what I did with Paul, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was great. The best thing that ever happened with me publishing with Paul is the next year I was on another tour, but Paul came with me. Yeah, because we're friends. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and these and, and these three black older black men said, uh, so you guys are still friends? I said, Well yeah, I said so you, you did the book together, you did the business together and you're still friends. Said, oh yeah, man, we love each other. And I said, All right. <laughs> Walter Mosley is a great storyteller, uh, and that story happens to be true, but he's a great storyteller nonetheless, and he's done it again with a new book publishing today called Every Man a King, a King Out of a Novel. We'll get him to top line what that book is about when we come forward in conversation with Walter Mosley on KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. Never know who's listening, uh, Walter Mosley. During that commercial break, I picked up my phone and looked at it, and guess who just sent me a message saying hello? Who's that? Paul Coates. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you never know, man. You never know. That was uh, uh, that was nice. Uh, we we love Paul Coates. Uh, I'm watching my time here. Um, Every man a king, a king out of a novel. Tell me about it, Walter Mosley. Well, you know. I, I've been thinking about the book, like, what's the book about? Because I wrote it, you know, and often I write a book and, and I haven't quite figured out where I was going with it. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. To so me, yeah. I, was, I was like thinking about it just this morning, actually, because yeah. of the pub, pub date. And I realized what it is, 
the, the major thing is in the book, it's replacing hatred with love. Mm. That, that's what the book is about. And, 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 it, and that's a very hard thing. It sounds beautiful when people say it, but it's a really hard thing to do. What happens is Joe has a grandmother. She's 93 years old. Uh, but she's healthy. She's, you know, alive. She can, she can do things. She's been in, because of some odd reason, she ended up in this very fancy retirement home with this other guy who's 91, a, a white billionaire named Roger Ferris. Roger Ferris did, did, uh, did, uh, 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 King a favor in the last book. And now he's called King and he wants him to do him a favor. And, but he, he wants to, to go to him to a guy named Quiller, who is, is, like a, a white supremacist alt-right genius. Mm. And he's been writing all this stuff and, and creating all this money for, for all, the alt-right movement. And, uh, but for some reason, Roger Ferris, uh, he's in jail, and Roger Ferris wants easy to, uh, not easy, excuse me, saying easy, but, but King to figure out how to get him out. And, and, you know, King doesn't like it. His daughter hates it. Mm. A, a lot of people are on him over it, but yet there are reasons that he has to do it because of his, his grandmother, because of what this guy did to save the life of somebody that he really needed to save his life, uh, even though it was against all the laws. Uh, and, and, you know, it was just, it was just kind of wonderful. I mean, it was just, it, it, it was, it was a, it's a wonderful moment to see this black man trying to help uh, this this white guy who seems to be his enemy and to see them in, in a way trade places. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, and I, and you know, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's a hard book to write. A lot of people will probably be upset about it and stuff, but, but the thing is, is that, you know, going back to a earlier thing, I have to hope that, that there's a way to articulate a life in which we, we work together and not against each other, mm. you know, that, and, and that, and that's, and that's what this book is about. It's mm. about, you know, and it doesn't work completely and it's a tragedy in many ways, but still, you know, it, it, the thing is, 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 is attempting to do what's right. Yeah. That's more important even than succeeding. Mm. I hear you. Now you're dropping bars. That's a powerful, powerful formulation that you just laid out. Uh, and we could spend an hour just talking about that one sentence that just came out of the mouth of Walter Mosley. When we come forward in our remaining moments with him, I got time for two questions. Number one, you heard Walter say that some people may be upset about this book. I want to ask him, uh, why would anybody be upset about the notion of replacing hatred with love? And secondly, I want to ask him the following. Um, you can replace hatred with love on the pages of a book. By the way, I'm glad Walter figured out what the book is about after writing it. <laughs> but you can replace hatred with love on the pages of a book. Can you do that in real life? That's what we need, right? Stevie Wonder, love's in need of love today. Our remaining moments with Walter Mosley when we come forward on KBLA Talk 15. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Let's unpack a little bit more with Walter Mosley. And that's all we got time for a little bit more. About three minutes left in conversation with Walter. And I've enjoyed this immensely, Walter. Thank you for this hour. Um, two questions yeah, thank here. Uh, my, thank you, man. My, my great honor, brother. Um, why would anybody be upset <laughs> about replacing hatred with love when they read your book uh, out today, Every Man a King, a King Oliver novel? And finally, and I'll get out of your way, um, you can do this on the pages of a book, but can you do it in real life? Replace hatred with love. Okay, so the, the first thing is, is I think that people have trouble with it because once you accept hatred into your heart, it's, it's like love. You know, it's just like, 
I hate these people. I hate these people. And you know, and 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 you know, you have all these little you know fantasies and re- reasons that you that you hate them. No, there's some people you hate because they did something. There are other people you hate just because what they look like. Mm. And so it's really hard to let that go. You know, you say, well, what do you mean? Uh, uh, a black woman uh, married this uh, alt-right guy. I said, well, you know, you got to read it and see, man, you know, because, you know, <laughs> life is, you know. And, 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 but, and the, other, the other thing is, because is, I, I was listening, you know, in, 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 while, while I was waiting, listening to some of the ads, you know, you have something like the L.A. Tenants Union, mm-hmm. you know, and the L.A. Tenants Union is, is you know, I, I looked it up while, you know, while, while I was here, and it's, it's people uh, of, of all, you know, backgrounds and races and genders and ages who say we need equal rent. That is true. It doesn't matter if you're black or you're, you, don't, you know, you don't have black rent or, 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 or Chicano rent or you know, white rent. You have rent. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And if, if, if you are, and really, you can say that to anybody and they will understand it. Mm-hmm. So that means I can say something that somebody else can understand. So will it, will it make a change? I'm not sure, yeah. but it certainly, you know, cracks the door a little bit. I don't need any more reasons to love Walter Mosley. I love and respect his work and witness. Um, but when you have a guest on your station, he actually listens to your stuff during the breaks and then weaves it into a conversation and then shouts out the L.A. Tenants Union on a day after Karen Bass was on Dominique's program this morning talking about tenants' rights and homelessness. You can't close a show better than Walter Mosley just wrapped this hour up. <laughs> Another reason why I love Walter Mosley. His new book out today is called Every Man, a King, a King Oliver Novel, KBLA Talk, 1580. Uh, Walter Mosley is your home, and you're always welcome back on this program or this station anytime. I appreciate you, my friend. It's great to be here, Tavis. It's great to hear you again. Great to hear so, you. Uh, let's talk. We'll do it again, my friend. Great to hear you. Hour three of Tavis Smiley when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.